This is 410 Sprint Car Driver, Atlanta Price, and you're listening to the Four Wide Salute Podcast. We are back on this glorious Sunday. Well, I don't know about the rest of the country, but in Pennsylvania right now on the East Coast, it is going to be 70 freaking degrees outside today for Port Royal's opener, which hopefully the rain passes this morning. They get that in. I will not be in attendance, but I will be tuning in on flow as you should too, or go to the track. Of course, welcome back to another episode of the Four Wide Slew Podcast presented by Lion Decker Racing Engines. Check out Lion Decker Racing Engines on Facebook. Facebook, pop that into your search bar and voila, or click on the link in our Facebook post that I post with the episodes every week. I have them linked in there as well. Let's kick things off with our breaking news. This was a big surprise coming out of Louisiana. Thanks to my buddy Chris Coleman for bringing this to my attention as I completely did not see this. Co-promoter of the Revolution Park in Louisiana, the Rev, Dylan Scott, announced through video on Facebook, the Rev will be going asphalt. And not just for next year. No, the last race on the dirt will be this weekend coming up. Yes, March 12th, the last dirt show at the Rev. Mind-blowing, right? So, Dylan Scott who is a artist, a country singer himself, was going to be stepping away at the end of the year, I guess, as his music career has been taking off, which is true. But I believe this whole thing came to be a big surprise to the promoting team, including himself and his partner as well. And the owners of the track have decided to convert this thing into asphalt. For what reasons are to be unknown at this point? And to do it so quickly yet, too. So I did some digging into the Rev. I enjoyed races I've seen at the Rev. Short Track Super Series Cajun Region and the Cajun Swing at the end of this year have events scheduled for later this year at the Rev. So they will apparently have to be moved or canceled, unfortunately. We'll note Cajun Swing did run the Rev last year. If you guys remember watching on Flow, or if you guys went down to Louisiana, Ryan Godown picking up the victory there with the awesome guitar in victory lane, that won't happen again. The World of Outlaw Sprints were there in March of last year with David Gravel picking up the victory. And late models, Outlaws have events coming up this weekend, which we'll get into in our upcoming events. This will be the first time that the Outlaw Late Models are there. So we're going to have first-time winners, and that's it. Unless someone can go back-to-back Friday and Saturday and become the only winner or only repeat winner at the Rev for World of Outlaw Late Models. That's it. Lucas Oil didn't run there. So this comes as a big surprise. I'd love to know more about this and and what's going on here. If any of you have any information, send it my way. I'll be glad to relay that on next week's episode. 
I will say there are tracks that were dirt, went asphalt, and came back as dirt. I was watching Sonoy last night with the Schaefer's Racing Oil Spring Nationals, and they themselves were a dirt track when it opened in 69. And then in 1980, I believe it was, don't mark me on that, they converted to asphalt up and until 2009, 2010, they opened back up again as dirt. So it is possible this could flip back again. But wow, what a big breaking news there. On to our results. A lot of stuff going on this weekend. Nothing during the week, but that's okay because Friday and Saturday delivered. Starting with the Outlaw Sprints, Friday and Saturday, the Texas Two-Step Cotton Bowl Speedway in Texas. First night, Sheldon Hodenshield put on a massive and epic performance. Getting himself to the front, picking up the victory over Corey Eliason, Brad Sweet, Logan Schuhart, and Donnie Schatz rounding out your top five. Last night, I got to tell you, I thought Sam Hayfertieb Jr. was going to complete the ultimate night. Quick time, won his heat race, drew the pole for the dash, won the dash, was leading the feature until four laps to go. Carson Macedo lassoed him in and picked up the victory. Hayfertieb ended up second. James McFadden Third, Logan Schuhart fourth, and David Gravel rounding out your podium. Schaefer's Racing Oil, Spring Nationals. Friday, they were at Swainsboro Raceway in Georgia. And yesterday, Sonoy Raceway in Georgia as well. $10,053 to win each of those shows. And a fun note, was always wondering about the $53 part of that. They had made a statement on their broadcast yesterday on Flow. Ray Cook is the gentleman who promotes and race directs these events with Schaefer's Racing Wheel Spring Nationals and the Summer Nationals. He is a racer himself, and his car number was 53, or is still 53, and he wanted to make his first place payouts a little bit unique, a little bit different. So he took the 10,000, added 53 to it, and there you have it. Friday, Swainsboro Raceway, Brandon Overton, dominating performance, dominating performance over Michael Page, Mark Whitener, Dalton Cook, and Air Force Ashton Winger. And last night's event at Sonoy Raceway, I don't know, so a late caution came out due to Ashton Winger shredding his left rear, which tore up the left side of the car. Shane Clanton, I believe, to that point had a seven-second lead on Ashton. So that late race caution doesn't come out. Is it possible that Clanton's win could have been a lot bigger than it ended up being? But at the end, the Georgia Bulldog, Shane Clanton, was your winner over Dylan Knowles, Mark Whitener, Michael Page, and Sam Seawright. Comp Cams, Super Dirt Series, Late Models, Friday and Saturday, the third annual Ronnie Adams Memorial Boot Hill Speedway in Louisiana. Friday night's portion, Brian Rickman was your winner over Spencer Dirks, Logan Martin, Hunter Rasden, and Mo Bags, Morgan Bagley. 
And last night's feature went to Tyler Stevens over BJ Robinson, Logan Martin, Brian Rickman, and primetime Tony Jackson Jr. USCS Outlaw Thunder Tour Friday, Saturday, Hattiesburg Speedway, Mississippi. Night one, Michael Miller over Max Stambaugh, Dustin Gates, No Panic, Davy Franick, and Dale Howard. And last night's feature went to Dale Howard over Michael Miller, No Panic, Davy Franick, Johnny Bridges, and Max Stambaugh rounding out your top five. And one of my favorite event names in all of racing, Clarksville Speedway in Tennessee, the 18th annual Tuckasee Toilet Bowl Classic. Yes, my friends, the winner gets a nicely wrapped brand new toilet. A little bit nicer than Penn Can's King of the Can. There was a video that developed on Facebook at some point. I want to say it was Wednesday or Thursday night. There was a huge fire in the pits. A hauler, the truck portion, not so the rig, caught fire and was set ablaze. Um, I was able to catch the car number of the gentleman's car that was behind it was 61, I believe. And devastating, just devastating, because those things are not cheap to replace insurance or otherwise. So Friday night's portion, plunger night, as they call it, 3,000 to win. The one-man band, Dennis Erb Jr. over Rusty Schlank, Josh Putnam, Corey Hedgecock, and Tanner English. And last night's finale, 7,500 to win. Corey Hedgecock, victorious over the one-man band, Dennis Erb Jr., Jaden Frame, Rusty Slank, and Tanner English, once again, running out your top five. My wife and I took a venture off to Lincoln Speedway, dragged our buddy Chris Quillman with, and met up with all the guys at Lincoln. Anthony Macri was your winner over TJ Stutz, Chase Dietz, Danny Dietrich, and Buddy Kofoid. That is your results. Upcoming events today, Port Royal Season Opener, 410 Sprint Cars, Super Late Models. That one will be on Flow. Check that out. I believe it's like 115 it starts. The 2022 March Madness event at Cherokee Speedway in South Carolina. That kicks off on Flow as well. That is a 12.50 start time, I believe, for Flow's coverage. And then we move on to next weekend. Short Track Super Series South Region Elite Round number 2 of the Elite Series. Friday and Saturday, Melvin L. Joseph Memorial. Friday night's portion, we'll see Small Block Modifieds, Pennsylvania and New Jersey Spec Small Block Modifieds, and Rush Late Models along with the supporting divisions. Georgetown Speedway in Delaware, $4,049 to win for the Modifieds and $1,049 to win for the Rush Late Models. Saturday is the big daddy of them all. Once again, Elite Series, Modifieds, and 602 Crate Sportsman, 25000 to win for the Modifieds, and 1549 to win for the 602 Crate Sportsman. World of Outlaw Sprints, Friday and Saturday, Thunderbolt Raceway out in California. Glad to see them back in California for the first time in, I believe, two or three years now due to the pandemic. 
Roll about all eight models. Friday, Saturday, this is it, folks. The Rev. Once again, Louisiana, Friday, Saturday. Saturday night's finale, paying a hefty 20000 to win. Good luck to all, and I hope they get a ton of cars to celebrate the track, I guess. Lucas Oil 8 Models, Friday, Saturday. The Tennessean 411 Motor Speedway in Tennessee. Friday night show, paying 10000 to win. Saturday, finale, twenty grand on top. USAC Midgets non-points event. I believe you're doing some sort of show-up points for this. Friday and Saturday, the Shamrock Classic. DeCoin Southern Illinois Center in Illinois, of course. And then Sunday, which I will, of course, touch on next week's episode, Williams Grove opener. Kicking off. Things are starting to roll, guys. Things are starting to roll. As always, a thank you to all of our followers and subscribers. Like each other podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Smash that five-star rating button on all your podcast platforms. And, of course, a big thank you to Kenny Bruce and Bill Brown, Inc. for the support as well. On to this week's episode. Got in touch with my dear friend, Big Sexy, not that one, Sean Merkel. Talk about his limited late model career, what's going on for this season, Moving away from Path Valley, moving on to doing some stuff at possibly Hagerstown and Baps and see what brings his way and dive into racing against his other two brothers. They share a shop together. They work together all day long. Interesting stuff going on there. I don't know that I can work with my brothers, even though I love them dearly. But that is that. Also get into... uh, Traveling with his son in the quarter midget. You know, a lot of these guys I'm talking to are parents. They have kids that are on their way up. And, uh, you know, it's our next generation, guys. It's coming. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. And I'll be recording another one tonight, actually. Getting a head start on the week. And get to go up to Diamond this week. Cannot wait. Start cleaning up my booth. Season is a month and two days away. It's coming. So, hope you guys enjoy the episode, and uh, as always, until next time, enjoy the show. Bill Brown & Company, located in Hamilton, New Jersey, has been in the printing and promotional products business since 1946. Current owner and proud dirt track supporter Ken Bruce has been with the company since 1987 and has continued to deliver the customer service that Bill Brown & Company has delivered since the beginning. Kenny supports dirt track racing through the sponsorship of the number 11 modified driven by Danny Heber, along with sponsorship of bonuses of Big Diamond Speedway and the Short Track Super Series, and is proud to be a sponsor of the Four Wide Salute podcast. You can reach Bill Brown and Company at 609-586-1408 or by email at kbruce at billbrowninc.com. You can also check out the promotional products on the website at www.billbrowninc.com. On this week's episode of the Four Wide Slew Podcast, I have with me, as I call the original big sexy, Sean Merkel. Sean, your beef and beer bash was this past weekend. I'm going to start with that. You know, you're one of the few guys that still have this event, at least when COVID allows, 
Do you think the beef and beer thing is kind of a, a dying concept these days? Uh, yeah, for the most part, what what I see, uh, I don't know. Teams don't think it's worth it, or if it's. I mean, it is complicated to throw one together. I mean, you got to ask for a lot and try to watch what you're spending. But uh, yeah, you just don't see them as much anymore. Do you think, I mean, now you know you run these things every year. Um, do you get a lot out of it as far as helping support the race team? Uh, well, as far as, you know, having <clears throat> fans show up and support the actual event, yes. But I've found, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, I have to say you have to kind of go out on a whim when you're going around asking for stuff, sometimes you're going to get a no, sometimes you're going to get a yeah. And uh, like I say, you just got to watch, you know, what you're spending and or you're not going to make anything, what, what you're getting back through the door. Right. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I, I, I think there's a couple of sportsman modified guys. I know that have them. I know a big couple of spec modified teams have them, but it doesn't seem like it's a, a big thing anymore, which is fine. You know why? Because that makes yours and a couple of the other ones that I make sure I hit every year special events. You don't have to pick and choose on where you want to go. You can kind of hit which ones you want to because there's not a whole lot going on. So that benefits you in the end, too. But, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, uh, no, I was going to say, you know, I just, you know, I, I really uh, want to thank everyone and really appreciate everyone that came out Saturday night it means a lot. You know, we don't really race in the area anymore. Uh, we're running two, three hours away and to see our old, as I would like to say, Grandview family show up and support my racing. It really means a lot to me. Yeah. And I noticed, um, I think I asked you this the other year too, when I, the first time I came to your bash was, the fact that you don't run Grandview anymore, obviously they don't have late models like they used to, and that's where you did run. And now you are running out at places like Path or BAPS or occasional stops up at the Diamond on Fridays. But, you know, you do race so far away from your home base and getting the support that you do towards your home base and not towards where your fans necessarily are. I mean, have you had any of your fans that you've met and made over the past couple of years out that way decide to come check out your bash? No. Uh, I mean, I just think it's simple logistics. It's, you know, like I said, it's two, three hours away. Uh, when we post on Facebook, we, we get likes from people that I know uh, started being a fan from us and uh, but no one's really, you know, from out there showed up, but, uh, you know, it's understandable. It's, it's pretty far to drive in here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, and it's not really at like a hub, you know, like, a like Reading or Allentown or Lancaster where you can kind of access it pretty easily on different highways and stuff down there in Bechtelsville is kind of, that's Grandview territory really. But, um, no, so Let's talk the switch from obviously Grand. You got rid of the late model division a couple of years back now, and you had to decide to take the chance to go venture out other places. How was it at first, and how do you like doing it now? 
Uh, could you could you repeat what you're saying? When Grandview, I, when Grandview got rid of their late model division, you know that was home base. It was close to home, and now you had to take your late model and go run places that were two to three hours away. How was it at first? Uh, in, at first, it's you know it's it's scary because you don't want to go somewhere and suck. I mean, uh, and a lot of these places I used some of these places I used to run and modify and did okay, but when that switch was made and we had a travel out i wasn't there for five six years so like i said at first it's scary you know it's just you don't want to suck and waste money and waste your crew guys time and but uh as we've been doing it now we've been getting better at it and uh honestly i i love it so that's good if you're traveling that far you know on a weekly basis or every other week yeah, I hope you like it. <laughs> Those are long yeah. rides home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so where do you think you found your your niche at now? What track do you prefer to go to? Uh, not, I really like running uh, Path Valley. It kind of almost reminds me of Grandview. Yes, it's smaller, but it's it's kind of the same. You drive it the same. You got to be up on the wheel uh, constantly going forward and hopefully just get a little luckier not getting in accidents, but uh, also really like Hagerstown. We might actually check that out this year and not race for points, but we might race there the most this year. Okay. And, you know, you told me over the over the weekend, Hagerstown's getting a really good car count. Um, you know, do they have decent paying events there for, for your division now? Uh, I, I really honestly don't know uh i know they have like a small car national at the end of the year okay i'm really not sure what they pay but uh and really honestly i never ran it the last like five years well actually i really never ran that race i'm always usually busy with uh my son it always happens that a big bigger quarter midget race or something pops up that weekend so uh who takes the priority when that happens is it always going to be the quarter midget or just sometimes quarter midget takes the back seat to you uh sometimes it's we we try to keep it even but there are some bigger races that happen for quarter midgets that will at our home track anyway this year we're gonna try to venture out a little bit with my son and hit some of the national and regional stuff oh that's but cool. uh yeah but uh yeah so this year it's gonna be give and take i already explain to my son hey some weekends we'll go do your thing some weekends i still like getting my jollies off so <laughs> i want to go run my car so speaking of the conflicts i always found it fascinating so people don't know you have brothers that also run um and i didn't know that at least you and Corey have shared the trailer um and how does that come into play sometimes when it, you know, I think you always have the big trailer, but I know Corey's used it a couple of times too. How does that how does that work out? Uh, I mean, it was we actually switched now. Corey's got his his own deal going on, but there for a little bit. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was just uh, you know when we're going three hours away, sometimes you know for them to get all unloaded and cleaned up for us to take it. it there's a couple times, you know, you're standing there, arms crossed, and you're 
foot tapping on the ground like, yo, let's go. I got to, you know, get out of here. Oh, yeah, I can believe <laughs> it. I mean, not that they're – I mean, like you said, you know, you're going to Path Valley. That's a haul, and you like to be loaded up sooner than later, sometimes maybe even the night before. But um, then I see that trailer rolling on Fridays. I'm like, well, wait a second. I thought that was Sean's trailer. But uh, yeah. you know, it's it's interesting to to see family sharing a trailer like that at times. Um, you know, so I did want to get into, you know, your brothers. At one point, you're all running late models at Grandview. Um, all three of you, same night, every week. How was that racing with your brothers all the time? Oh, I, you know, I, I always had fun with it. I mean, uh, we grew up racing. Kyle and I actually used to race quarter midgets in the area back in the day when it was, uh, you know, and we used to travel to, uh, actually Hagerstown back early nineties, a track called Blackbird and, uh, our home track in Phoenixville. But that's where my love, uh, traveling with racing came in. And, uh, you know, but uh, no, I I always enjoyed racing family. We are a family operation, mm-hmm. and uh, we there is a lot of sharing going on. Even though there's you know beliefs that we're millionaires, billionaires, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> but uh, you know there, there's a lot of sharing going on. We all help each other out. We get up every day, three thirty to go to work. You know, so and do you all work together? Too? Normal people. Oh yeah, we work together every day. So, oh boy, uh, that's got to be fun. All working together, sharing shop time too, and uh, boy, don't ever get sick of your family, right? Yeah, I, and I, you know, I must say, we we really never got in arguments racing, but sometimes you know, work being out in the sun and getting all sweaty. There's there's a couple times we want to kill each other. <laughs> But it's all fun. So do you help out with Corey on his modified? Does he help you on the late model? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say, like, help out, help out, because, you know, you're busy with your own cars. But if one of us ever calls each other over and say, hey, can you help me with this real quick? Or if you're underneath there with your hands tied up doing something and you need a wrench or whatever, you give a hand. Oh, that's cool. But, uh, but um... No, so when did so you and Kyle ran when you were younger running quarter minutes? When did Corey come into play? Uh, Corey, uh, I forget what year he was born. <laughs> so he's the youngest. Yeah, he was born in 1997. So Corey actually, I was already running when Corey started uh, quarter minutes. I was already running modifieds at. Uh, Grandview. So I really oh. never got to run with him much, but okay. I didn't realize he was that much younger. Oh yeah, I was in like I think I was in like fifth grade when he was born. So either he's much younger or you're much older, one of the two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's talk modified. So I did not know when I first saw you racing, you were in the late model. Never knew you ran modifieds. Um, that's was that your first big car, right? Yeah. Yep. Well, we we ran slingshots for two years, which we had success there too. And then, yes, yeah, so we moved to a modified in two thousand, I believe, one, and went from there. And then, why make the switch to a late model? Well, uh, it actually all came down to one night. 
my brother won a race in uh somewhere in Virginia. And then uh I was that night we already made the switch from Granby Speedway to uh New Egypt and Billy Powell Senior and I were give each other a couple of sly jobs and uh I wound up finishing fourth that night because just inexperienced down there. But uh my dad after that night hearing he was all excited. And uh he said, you know, you're gonna have to switch what's going on. So Decided to go late model, and uh, to be honest with you, I was always intrigued by the late models. I always loved watching them when I was a kid at Grandview, and also some of the stuff. I forget what channel they used to be on as a kid, but you know they would show some of the stuff mm-hmm. on TV, and I just always thought they were badass cars. Yeah, and you know, late my I was kind of naive. Again, I only knew late models from watching people like you and, and Shutzy and. And all them guys run on Grandview. I didn't know what a super late model was. I thought that's what I was watching. And, um, you know, went to Hagerstown for the Lucas Oil show and my jaw hit the floor and never came back up. I was like, holy shit, what the hell is this? And then, of course, how they go down to East Bay, check that out the next year. And boy, late models of Grandview were nothing like that. And, you know, down south, they run crates. Right, they run six hundred two crates, six hundred four crates. But what Grandview ran were they crates or were they limiteds? Uh, they they were limited, uh, limited late models. Okay, and to people out there that don't know what a limited late model is, can you explain the difference? Uh, well, super late models is you know pretty much unlimited horsepower, and then uh, a limited late model is three fifty eight cubic inch. And, uh, you know, there's head rules and that kind of thing. But uh, same car, just different motors. So almost like watching a spec modified, right? Yeah. Kind of the same thing. Okay. Yeah. But they don't run that class outside PA much, do they? I mean, Hagerson, obviously. But do they run those these limiteds elsewhere? Do they run them down south or anything? Yeah, like they have... Uh, like open. I don't even know how to you know describe it, but they have uh like a steel block series out in in uh Ohio, and I believe they have one down south, which I'm not sure what their their motor rules are, but I know it's. I think I'm pretty sure it's based off like a 358, 360, and then you're allowed to have bigger heads and stuff, but there are some things you could go do. It's just, you know, it's, uh, you know, pretty far yeah. to go do that. Have you thought about making any treks? Uh, I actually thought about going to, uh, I believe it's Portsmouth, which okay. is where they run the Lucas Oil deal. They have a, like a steel block race there that weekend with Lucas Oil and this year, Kyle Lear won it. You okay. know, he's a name from Hagerstown and mm-hmm. Winchester and Potomac. And uh, a couple other guys made the trek out that we've run with, and it seemed like they did very well. So that might be something to go do, but we'll have to see how the season's going. Right, because that's later on in the year. That's like October, right? Yeah, that's you know, the Lucas Oil when they have their championships. Yeah, that's the hundred grand to win. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I mean, for not getting 
not having the freedom to really go run wherever you want, um, you know, to have an opportunity like that would be pretty cool to, you know, just say you did it, not even, you know, a matter of, oh, we suck, but just say you'll get the experience, yeah. say you did it, right? Have yeah. you have you toyed? I know we bust your balls a lot about getting to super late. I mean, is that or is it a reality? Like, is that a chance that you may at some point decide to get a super late model? Yeah, you know, we're just and I, I tell you all the time, and it's true. We're we're just not set up. I mean, we're we're working people and. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that that super late model deal is a com- totally, completely different game. I mean, you need motors, and I'm not just talking two motors. You need three, four, maybe even five mo- different kinds of motors for different size tracks. And, uh, you need, like, a setup guy, and that's something, you, you know, it's... I mean, I love setting my own cars up, but... I don't, you know, you need like a full-time mechanic guy that knows what's going on. You can explain what's going on and it's just, it's completely different. And that's, I, I you know, I'm just saying that because, you know, th- that's, yes, we could get a super late mile and go run a super late mile race tomorrow. Like some guys do, but you know, when I go somewhere, I'm not just saying this to be cocky. I want to finish top five or a win and, and super late miles. If you don't have that stuff, it's, it, it to me, it's not even worth going. Yeah. So. No, and it, and you're not being cocky by saying that. That's you're racing for a reason. I mean, it's a race. You want to win the damn thing, right? Yeah. But I, you know, not naming any names, but you know, and you see it. You see highlights from Port or you know from wherever, and you see these guys that go out there and they make a valiant effort. They show up. They come prepared, and they get their teeth kicked in by some of the Local pros, I call them, you know, Gary Stuhler, Dan Stone, Eckert, uh, you know, those guys are just overly prepared when it comes to running a weekly show. And that's what happens, you know, and yeah. you watch some of these guys go out there and you're like, oh, my Lord, uh, you know, but look, every division has it. I know modified guys are the same way or, you know, sprint car guys that are the same way that. The average fan watches them. They're out to lunch. Um, so it's realistic. You know, yeah. I think anybody who runs a late model who loves late models would love to race against them guys. But it is a lot of money. I mean, I know 410 sprint cars, they said, like, I forget. It's a very small amount of races till you have to have your motor, you know, cleaned up. I can't uh, imagine yeah. a super late. It's got to be something close to it. Yeah. Yeah, like I, you know, I haven't even checked them, but yeah, I'm, you know, you hear all kinds of stories. And then, guys, it's just not, you know, you got one car and, like I was saying, maybe three or five motors. You, they got a full other car in the trailer ready to go. You know, if something happens in time trials, you know, they're, they're so on the edge of something hit the wall, break something, they just roll the back up out and, go back at it and uh yeah that's why i said we're just not set up to to do that it's it's yeah. crazy and, and, and well and two i can imagine say you do get a super late now you have your motors and shit now you want to go race everywhere it's hard to stay strict and say okay i'm gonna run local i'm gonna run weekly and that's that when the big guys come to town maybe i'll show up but with all this stuff that goes on down south with, of course, the outlaws and 
with the soil. It's like, you know, you start foaming at the mouth. Like I want to go race all this stuff. And the guys that do it on a full-time basis are absolutely nuts. It's just, it's a lot of racing. It's all the time. It's, and it's gotta yeah. be, gotta be expensive as hell. It does. I would almost be willing to bet those guys dish out as much money, if not more money than the outlaw sprint car guys do. Yeah. No, no. You know, speaking of time, it, it takes, takes a whole lot of time. And I'd like, now I'm at a point in my career, like, you know, I, I like watching like my son race and my daughter started the uh, gymnastics this year competitively on a team and they travel all over and, it's just fun, and I couldn't even imagine if I did have the money and everything to go do that. If you know, I don't even know how much I would go do it. Right. So, you so know. That, so going back to you know this season coming up, you know you said you're going to run some at Hagerstown, not for points. When you go and race at a place like that, and you're not in the points battle, does your mindset change a little bit on? You know, maybe we can try some things because we're not in a points battle or, you know, does it does it change your mindset a little bit when you're not racing for points? Oh, yeah, 100 percent. I mean, you know, you, you always want to go to the track and do the best you can. But, you know, there are some nights that let's face it, you're starting like 15th in the feature. And, you know, you know, the odds are slim of maybe doing something good and then you mess around a little bit with the car and maybe try some different things and you find out it works. And that's one of them things, like you were saying, if you, when you're not running for points, sometimes it, it you know, it really don't matter. So it, it gets you, I kind of like it because, you know, you're always, if you're racing for points, you're always scared to do stuff because you're like, Oh man, I can't afford to give up, you know, not go anywhere tonight. And, uh, you know, when, when there's no points on the line, you just, you do whatever and nine times out of 10, the thing that you found a night at a track, you, you can do the same stuff like next week at a different track and it's going to work and you just keep progressing on, you know, car setup and stuff. So building your notebook, do you, you know, I know a lot of modified guys have their notebooks built up over the years. Do you have something similar to that? Oh yeah, I got, I actually, to be honest with you, I, I still got modified notebooks from back. <laughs> but, uh, Nice. But no, my my uh, late model setup books. You know, I got one of them old school school uh, zip up binders, and you know, it's probably about four inches thick, full of just information and whatever, uh, temperature and weather and whatever, whatever that I feel helps me race day. You know, I just write it down and figure it out. <laughs> no, that's good though. I mean, how else are you supposed to retain everything, right? It's yeah. not like you have a textbook. Okay, I just have this textbook. I can just go back and look at it for what I need. No, you got to make your own. So, no, that's cool. Um, it's interesting that you add in, you know, temperature and stuff like that. That's, you know, some guys might not think of that. That can definitely play into what you're what you're racing on as far as surface goes. Uh, yeah, big time. You know, just just little little things like you write down maybe if it's humid that night or whatever the temperature was hot and you can kind of you know maybe see maybe the next time you're there you can look back at your notes and maybe the track will kind of have the same tendency so it you know it's just little stuff like sometimes i don't know if it helps but it's just one of them things having 
you know, whatever. It just makes you feel better as a driver having notes like that. Right, right. Now, and and going back to the, you know, not racing for points, you know, you said about dividing your time up with, with your son running quarter midgets. I mean, right there is a perfect example of why you don't want to race for points because now you don't feel obligated. I've seen, I saw Lawbach at Granby the other year, ran a couple of shows before Bridgeport, I think it was, opened up. And he was leading the points by the time the season started at Bridgeport, and he never left Granby because of that. Um, I know guys this year have already told me at Diamond they're not gonna they're gonna take a week or two off early on to get themselves out of the points battle. That way, when they want to go do other stuff, they don't feel obligated that they have to commit. So, you know, I think so much racing going on around now in every division. I think that's a points are something that's kind of yesteryear a little bit and guys don't want to commit and they want to go run wherever they want to race. If you want to take a week off, go for it. But um, now with your son racing quarter midgets, you know, you are a car owner, right? As far as his car goes. So how has it been teaching him along the way and, kind of having to play boss of the car. How's that going? Uh, good. You know, uh, there, it's so cool to see like him grow as a driver. Uh, just little stuff like last year, even like he's, he's, uh, 13 years old. Last year I was here sitting with him on the couch, showing him with hot wheel cars and stuff, different moves and about momentum. And, you know, it's just, it's crazy how much that goes into it. And I just remember, you know, that's what my dad did with us. You know, if I was running crappy or whatever, he would take us in into the trailer and draw a track on the toolbox and grab a hot wheel car, and, you know, just go over different lines and momentum and not breaking your momentum, not running into people, you know, so. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, I mean, nowadays you can, does your son bring up YouTube videos and watch all kinds of racing like some of these other younger kids are doing now? Oh, yeah. He brings up – he likes watching – well, Hunt the Front, and uh, he likes watching the uh, – I don't know what it's called, but the one Swindell Speed Lab. Yeah. They always post uh, – he loves watching all that stuff. So That's good. At least he's – you know, that's a common bond for you guys right there, of course. And- well, and that's something I told him, like, he should learn. Like, I know, like, the Swindell Speed Lab videos always show uh, uh, Kevin Swindell and the driver talking about how the car is and what it's doing and what they think. And I told my son, you know, that that's big. That's You need to know some of this stuff as, you know, you get older. You should be able to tell whoever's wrenching on your car, you know, it's doing this, doing that, uh, to help yourself. Yeah, even if you don't know the correct terms, you can still say it feels like this. Okay, yeah. I know what that means. You know, not everyone's going to understand the racing lingo to that extent at that age. But no, it's that's a great thing. And, you know, it's the the times are changing. The tools out there for these kids to learn is growing by the minute. And it's awesome that, that he's really invested in that. Has he expressed any interest, you know, outside of quarter midgets on what he wants to do as far as racing goes? Well, that's the big one. Uh, <laughs> no, we, you know, we're running late models. I, I love late models, you know, and it's not even that I don't like 
modifieds or anything. I mean, I, there's still a special place in my heart for modifieds, but, uh, you know, for, for him to start, we're not sure if we want to start on like limited late models or 604, the crates, or if we just want to start them in, you know, 602 modified, which, you know, we could go to diamond Grandview, Bridgeport. There's a bunch of tracks in our area where if we start them in a 604 late model, we got to, no matter what, still go three hours just for, you know, to get them seat time. Where do they so, run 604s at? Uh, we run them at Hagerstown, Winchester, uh, uh, Georgetown, uh, Delaware International. Okay. And it, I mean, there's a bunch of tracks that run 604 late models, more than just them right, four right. or five tracks that. But they're all, like I said, they're at least, you know, two and a half, three hours away for us. Yeah, and then you'd be definitely taking over the uh, semi-retired <laughs> yeah. role. Yeah, no, that's, well, now that you said semi-retired, that's something, you know, I've been talking about here the next couple of years doing is stepping away full-time and uh, letting him take over and, you know, work with him, show him you know, how to work on the car and, and, uh, you know, just let them take over and then just back away from it. <laughs> yeah. I, want, I mean, look, I remember two years ago, I think it is now Ryan Watt took a lot of crap from a lot of people in the grandstands because he wasn't racing nearly as much as people thought he should, you know, year or two before that, he won a shit ton of races. The car was unbeatable pretty much wherever he went. And then he tapered off and didn't run a whole lot because of Logan. And he focused on Logan running the, running the quarter midget a lot. And then it happened last year. He focused a lot of his time on Logan running the crate car. And, but now they're going to the track together as a two, two car duo. And it's like that bonding thing. So. You know, you could take yourself out of the car for a while and focus, but it doesn't mean that uh, you're a driver. You're always going to be one, right? So, yeah. you know, you're never, okay, I'm retired. I'm done. Like, it doesn't work that way. Um, just watch some of these NASCAR guys. They never retire, right? But, um, yeah. but no, it could, it could very well end up happening that way to where he gets himself, you know, back to you know where he needs to be with the bigger car and then you're like you know what okay i can i can get back in the seat too and you know because i'm sure one of the cool things that you look forward to at some point is racing with your kid right yeah we we always joke about that i'm i always tell him i'll wreck his ass but <laughs> you know we we laugh and you know he's we actually, well, what, he can't wait for that day. That's what he always brings up about. Hey, Dad, wait until I'm racing against you. And then, like I said, that's when I bring up to him. Hey, I'll just wreck your ass. But you know, if that would be awesome, I can't, I can't wait. Oh yeah, for you know, that day. You know, that's one thing about BAPS that I have to give them a ton of credit. I've never seen a track locally have so many test and two nights throughout the year. And that's a price a great time to hell. You could throw them in your car for, you know what I mean? Take it out, yeah. figure it out. It's tested too. There ain't a lot of people there and utilize that, that valuable track time where you're not competing. You're not going to get ran over by someone. And, um, yeah, I can, I can definitely see the next generation of Merkles and late models coming through in the next 
five to ten years, and it's going to be pretty cool when it happens. But yeah, that's you know you were talking about the BAPS practice, and we've been talking about that. Maybe not this year, but maybe next year, get them at least up there, maybe you know five times or something, and just let them get laps and yep. start building the knowledge about getting the bigger car around and. And another great thing I think BAPS does is I think they still do it is they actually have like a rookies like the, you sign in as a rookie and when you go out you're like one of the only cars on the track. So you mean out there against guys that have been racing, you know, 15, 20 years and getting run over or worry about, you know, them being in the way and so that's that's a good thing too. Yeah, I mean from a fan's perspective, I don't know anybody that loves watching rookies, but I'll tell you this, Bridgeport did it with the crate cars. I know New Egypt still does it with their crate division where they do a rookies division. And I think more tracks should have something. If there's enough interest, you know, of course, if there's two guys, like, okay, that's kind of hard. But if you get six to ten kids that are rookies and can run a rookie class, let them out there by themselves and you know, like you said, they're not getting ran over by the local pro behind them. And, you know, then you have graduation a couple of months later and, you know, let them have at it. But it gives them the time to be out there and not, you know, sweating bullets because they're in a 20 car field right away. And, you know, that's a that's a cool concept. Bob. You know, if BAPS does that to this day, that's awesome. And that's a that's a great starting point, too. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, it's a lot better than when we started. Like, when I started at Grandview, I remember, you know, we were thrown right to the wolves, baby. I, it, it was what it was. I mean, I always – I started in the back first couple weeks just, you know, I didn't want to wreck anybody. But right. uh, I remember when I first made my feature and you seen some of the stuff that was going on, like on the track, guys moving around or – guys rubbing a little bit or somebody hitting off your you're in the car like holy shit it's a lot to take in and matter of fact i just had a talk with jesse herfler about that the other week when him and his uncle were in my car which i didn't know i guess kevin makes him start in the back and stuff and just getting laughs but i told him like when can you make your first feature and you get to see the shit that's going on out there like parts flying and you know it's yeah. Well, <laughs> it's a lot to take in. And the perfect analogy, making the feature at Grandview on our Saturday night show in the modified division, it's like 30 caged lions in a cat crate. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's there's no way for you to get out of anyone's way. No matter if you were yeah. in the extreme bottom or the extreme top, you're still in someone's way. Um and they scratch and claw their way to the front every week. And that's not that, you know, dissing the track or anyone that runs there. It's just, it's the characteristics of the place. It's why a lot of fans come back. It's why a lot of drivers come back and some don't, but it's intense. I cannot imagine, you know, go run a half mile track and kind of take a breather down the front stretch. Maybe. Okay. Grandview, you ain't doing that ever. Never. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. No, like I said, that, you know, we've, we've had a lot of success at Path Valley the last couple of years, feature wins and uh, track title there in 2020. But I really, you know, running Grandview really helped with racing there because Path Valley is, it's not the, 
exact like I said, it's not the exact same, but it's the, you gotta race that place the exact how you run Grant. You just gotta constantly be going, and you, if you gotta rub somebody a little bit, you do it. Try not to wreck them, but you know it is what you gotta be up on the wheel. Yeah, don't blink. You might, you yeah. might miss yeah. something. Let's, yeah, I I wouldn't feel good about myself if I didn't bring up you in a particular night at Grandview. Um, might have been the last late model show they ran there. You could run American Racers and Hoosiers all at the same time, which I thought was fascinating. And I believe it was the night that Winslow got his win. Am I right? With yeah. you leading and hit the wall by yourself? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I forget exactly how. I forget if I was leading first or if he was already leading. And I think you I was, were leading. Yeah, and I hit the wall, and it was a mess. But as far as the American Racer Grandview thing, I was already – they had a tire rule implemented mm-hmm. Grandview with their American Racers, and then every week you ran, you had to have a newer American – or a, like a different uh, – yeah, on the corner of the car, you had to have an American racer at it. So, like, my first week there, I could have three Hoosiers and one – the right rear had to be an American racer. And then the second time I went, it had to be, you know, the other three corners, one of them had to have a American racer on. So, they, didn't, they weren't making you go out and buy a full set of American racers just in case, like, if I went, would only run there right. one time. Which is nice. I mean – they it could have been dicks about it, right? But they didn't. But yeah. <laughs> so you ran on American Racers there for years. You run Hoosiers now. I mean, do you really feel a difference like that night, for instance? You know, you're running two different brands of tires. Can you tell a difference? Like, does it make your car wonky? I I don't know. I know certain people say yeah, you can. But I, you know, at first, like I I really didn't like Hoosiers at all. Okay. But, it turned out that I was cutting them wrong and not siping them enough and to get the grip out of the tire. And, you know, as you, that was one of the things when we started traveling, that's one of the things, you know, you learn and you get better at it. So now it's, you know, no big deal. But back when I, I could really never really tell much of a difference, not unless maybe if I went to a tire test and ran, you know, Hoosiers, and then slapped on a set of American racers and seen if there was, you know, any different. But okay. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I've asked some of the modified guys, you know, that run short track super series with American racers, and they go run this, some of the dirt stuff with Hoosiers. I asked them the difference. And now those guys can tell me that, well, definitely American racers are softer, softer tires. Hoosiers are, and I always thought that too, Hoosiers were better for long distance races just based off of the common tire they run. But, no, I was curious with, you know, because we really don't see a whole lot of American racers on late models nowadays, right? It's, it's yeah. A lot of it's Hoosiers. So, no, I was just curious from your perspective. It's time for Green White Checkered on the Four Wide Salute. Three random questions, not typically racing related, but we'll see what comes up. You ready? Yeah. All right. So I I need to bring this question in. I noticed going to the indoor TQ shows over the past few months for the feature, these guys come out to 
intro music, almost like they're pro wrestlers. If you had to come out to your own theme song, what would it be? Uh, I forget the band name, but it would be Sexy and I Know It. <laughs> LMFAO. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. I always thought it was great. Andy Jankoviak runs Asphalt, uh, Asphalt Modifieds. He comes out to uh, Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On, which is so funny because it's not really a hyped up song. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's freaking great. Oh, now you're going to have that song stuck in my head. That's another thing. I wish, you know, I wish more tracks would do that kind of stuff. You know, let's let's put on the show for the fans. You know what I mean? Let the drivers come out of their, you know, box a little bit and maybe come up with something. Like, I think at least all the big races should be something like that. You know, let's put a couple steam machines down underneath the flag stand, let the drivers walk out to the crowd or something. But, you know, that's just something. I mean, I think the the place that does it the best has to be the Dome Show in yeah. December. I mean, of course, we all know Tyler Carpenter and his, and his Hey Dudes and the infamy that started there, but uh, they've come up with a lot of crazy things with uh, costumes and all kinds of shit going on down there. But you're right. It would, uh, it would make it a spectacle, that's for sure. Yeah. Like, and the, you know, like, I'm just saying, you know, Grammy does it with the Sixer kind of, you know, they introduce the drivers. Yeah. It's just cool, like, hearing all the fans either boo or cheer. Or, right. And I always get a kick out of that. I think that's pretty cool. Well, but, and I think the closest thing we get to that on a more common basis is the redraw. It's the reason I love doing it as a race director. Why I love doing the redraw in front of the crowd is because you're always going to hear a uh, cheer or boo. Yeah, yep. But uh, no, that's a that's a good one. We'll think about doing something like that, at least up there. Question number two. <laughs> what would you say is the most awesome place you've ever been to? Well, well, I don't know. I would have to say not racing related. No, nope. but uh, I went to uh, Quebec, Canada when I was about 13 years old for uh, ice hockey tournament. Oh, but cool. uh, I'll never forget seeing like there was snow like up above the people's kitchen windows and stuff when we were going to this uh, snow mountain. I even forget like they had skiing and there was a ice skating trail around the park and ice goat carts and stuff. I, it's just a place I'll never forget. It was like a winter village. That's so cool. Now you'll get Canadian fans. I'm calling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um and last question. I'm going to I'm going to go with besides your your normal stuff, you know, keys, wallet, that kind of stuff. Is there anything that like you bring with you to the racetrack on race day as superstition, good luck type thing? Uh not really. I would I would have to say maybe the only thing I do is uh, if I have a good night, I'll wear the same T-shirt, okay. you know, a couple weeks in a row. But I, it's not like I don't wash it or anything. I'll put, <laughs> I'll throw it in the wash, have the voice wash it, but I'll stick to the same T-shirt for a couple weeks if I keep rolling with some good luck. Okay, that's fair enough. That's a good answer. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, I I do appreciate you being on the show. Well. Uh, yeah, I was going to say thank you. and I hope I was a good interview. I don't know. 
Well, so, we'll let the audience see. determine that. I think it went <laughs> fairly well. Um, just make sure that sticker gets on your race car for the season. Yeah, we'll just say on the belly pan, right? Yeah, either that or the middle of your visor, one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now, as soon as you do, take a picture, send it over my way. I'll, I'll make sure it gets posted, and uh, we'll go from there. Now, I wish you all the best of luck this season. I know I'll at least see it twice, right? Yeah, yep. We'll be at Diamond. I forget what the dates are, but uh, we're actually getting ready to roll here in two weeks. We're going to run Baps's, go to a Baps's practice, and then Baps's opener on March 19th, I believe, or 20th. And then we'll be at Hagerstown the following weekend. Cool. Awesome. Well, uh, before we cut loose, you know, any sponsors, people you want to give a shout out to? Yeah, I would, you know, like to uh, thank Merkel Shoes and uh, Pheasant Land RC Park. Now they changed the indoor roller rink to uh, an indoor RC racing like complex. It's actually pretty neat. I've seen some videos and you know, ask uh, if anybody never seen it. Check out Pheasant Land RC Park in, uh, on Facebook and uh, watch some of the videos. Maybe get into some RC racing. And uh, also Adams Royal Car Wash and uh, Lombardo Race Engines and Kelly Race Fuels. And don't forget your wife and your kids. Yeah, and my wife <laughs> and my kids. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you let her know I finally brought the cookies in from my car. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Hey, I got to tell you, I was kind of disappointed when the next day I was skirmishing through some food. And I was like, yo, man, where's all the cookies at? <laughs> And she said, well, you got to talk to Casey about that. <laughs> <laughs> she said, take all the food you want because we need to get rid of it. And I'm like, oh, give me some bags. I, I just keep putting cookies in. I'm like, I'm going to be able to fit all <laughs> these in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, no, once again, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, good luck this season. And I'll catch up with you sometime soon, my friend. All right. Thank you, Casey. 